Okay, we're back to podcast and our prayer lives part four. Our prayer lives part four. And uh, it's been a great day in the Lord. And uh, I am so thankful for Psalm 22. Because of Psalm 22, we can enjoy and appreciate the blessings of Psalm 23. And uh, we have lived in Psalm 23 at Bethany for, for a month or so now. I think I preached on it first about a month ago leading up to this. I've known what we were going to do uh, for Resurrection Sunday for some time. And uh, it, the Lord just has been good to us. And I can't thank Him enough for His blessings and His love and His care and compassion on us. Just two points tonight. Uh, we'll make make it as quick as possible. And um, just I know a lot of you have uh, spent some time with your family today and had a good day in the Lord and so, um, we're just going to be quick, uh, as quick as we can be and I can be. Uh, but we're going to, um, well, I, 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 we've, got, we've only got one, two, three, maybe four places in Scripture. But I want to talk about our prayer lives again. And by no means are we wrapping it up. We are kind of just closing out this portion um soon but you'll you'll see messages along the way and lessons along the way and studying this this is not something that's going to pass soon or pass quickly this this burden that i've been under over our prayer lives um and uh i um i i want to thank him for that i want to thank him for um, the ability to pray, and he, he has been so good to us. Just the fact that you and I, as, as lost sinners, as folks that were doomed and damned for hell, can enter into the throne room of God, the relationship with him uh, is astounding to me. And I've said this throughout and this is really what the Lord has laid on my heart as of late in, in dealing with this. I don't want to use the, the word prided, because of course there's no good pride. But I have attributed me even being alive today with my prayer life. I mean, every good thing. And, and, and having said that, I don't want to say I felt accomplished in my prayer life, but I, I'll say efficient. I, I'll say I felt I have felt that it was efficient or sufficient as well, efficient and sufficient. But <clears throat> as of late, the Lord has shown me that it's not even close. Mine, my prayer life, it's not even close. And I don't, I don't know where yours is. I don't, I don't know where it's been. I don't know where it's at. But I know that mine isn't even close to where I feel like it needs to be and I want it to be. And that is the basis of these lessons, of these messages. 
And so we come to uh, Matthew 26. We've got two points we're going to look at tonight. The last time we looked at the possibilities in our prayer lives, the fact that Elijah was able to stop the elements. He was able to stop it from raining. He was able to call upon it to rain. In other words, through prayer, he had the ability to control the elements. Okay? That's strong. We are reminded that prayer that has just just a small scintilla just a just a mustard seed can actually move a mountain. And then we're reminded in the scriptures that whatever is bound in heaven or bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Um, there's a brother, he listens and, and um, he, he comments and we talk some and uh, went to school together. I think I might have been a little older. Um, brother in the Lord, Brother Washington. And he and I speak like that a lot that to, to bind where two or three are gathered in my name, there will I be in the midst, two or three bind on earth that God will bind it in heaven, two or three agree on earth, it would be bound in heaven. So we try to make agreements. I spoke last time about agreements. I've got some other things working that I want to teach you very soon as well concerning agreements. But be careful about agreements. Sometimes we can say, God, I, I feel like God has forsaken me. I feel like God's not there. I feel like I'm completely alone. That's okay. That's okay. That's how you feel. Be careful when you say, God has forsaken me. Be careful when you say, I am alone. Be careful because notice the difference. It has went from how you feel to making an agreement with the enemy that is whispering in your ear, God has forsaken you. You are alone. And when you take it from this is how I feel to this is how it is, you are making an agreement with the enemy that you're forsaken and alone. And that's, that's a powerful place to be that you don't want to be. So the agreement has to be broken. So you find a brother, you find a sister in the Lord, and you two agree upon this. This thing is going to be broken. You two agree upon this. That's, that's why we should rely upon one another in our prayer lives. We should, look, we should have a prayer partner, okay? Now, I'm, I'm going to talk, I, I've talked about praying alone, and, and that is important. But tonight, I'm talking about a prayer partner where two or three agree as touching anything, okay? Make the agreement with someone, a prayer partner. You should have a prayer partner. And the uh, a prayer partner will agree with you, okay? And as they agree, I want you to turn to Matthew 18 quickly. Matthew 18. And I want you to look in verse 19, Matthew 18 and 19. 
We've already looked at 18, 18. Matthew 18 and 19. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching, look, anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where, there, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Now, the context is, of course, the church. And two or three gathering in Jesus' name, he will be in the midst. But look at 19. It says, if two or three of you agree upon touching anything. It's beautiful. Anything. It's limitless. Matthew 18, 19. Write that down. And here's my challenge to you tonight. Find you a prayer partner. It could be your spouse. It could be your... Now, not a gossip partner, okay? It could be a friend. It might even not be someone that you regularly talk to or message with or have coffee with or face. It could be someone that you, you don't even know that well, but you have great confidence in this person in their prayer life. And you don't have to meet. Y'all can agree to pray together at different time. At the same time, say, hey, look, I've got this need. I want to pray at 11. Does 11 work for you? Does 10 work for you? Does 9 work for you? And there could be another one. It says two or three. And, and say, look, at 9 o'clock, I'm going to be praying about this matter. Will you help me pray about this at 9 o'clock? Can we agree? Can we agree to touch heaven together over this matter? You see how important agreements are? We can agree with the devil. God has forsaken me. That's agreeing with the devil. God doesn't love me. That's agreeing with the devil. Or we can agree with God, with one another, make an agreement together. And as we do so, see heaven and earth moved. So I challenge you to find you a prayer partner. This should be a person that does pray, can pray, can touch God, can touch heaven. And it should also be a person that you can trust. Because sometimes you're going to have to share something with them that's maybe something you don't want to share with anybody, but God wants you to share it with them. So find you a prayer partner. Pray about who you ask to be your prayer partner. Think about it. Give it some thought and some time. And approach this person. And say, I need a prayer partner. I need someone to partner with me in prayer over this matter or over several matters. Would you do that? Y'all can get together or you don't even have to get together. And appoint a time that you can count on them to pray with you while you're praying where you are. It could be three. It says two or three. But I want to encourage you to do that. And the possibilities in that is completely moving mountains. That's what Matthew teaches. Okay? Then the understanding about our prayer lives is the fact that this is two kingdoms clashing. This is the kingdom of heaven clashing with the kingdom of hell and the kingdom of darkness. And so 
understanding that, understanding that this is a battlefield, this is a warfare, you should approach it in that regard. You should approach it that way. All right? Now, I want us to go to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Matthew chapter number 26. Now, let's go to together. Matthew chapter number 26. Matthew chapter 26. And look with me in verse number 39. Matthew 26, verse number 39. Matthew 26 and 39. What I want to talk about here is the energy in uh, Matthew 26, 39, the energy in our prayers. The energy in our prayers. Matthew 26, 39. And he went a little farther. This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible... If he went a little farther, fell on his face, praying, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. <clears throat> Nevertheless, not as my will, but as thou will. And he cometh unto his disciples, and he findeth them asleep, and saith, What could you not watch with me one hour? <clears throat> watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went and prayed again the second time. O oh, my Father, I pray, uh, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Came again, he fell asleep, their eyes were heavy. He prayed the third time the same words. Now, in Luke, our account in Luke teaches that he he prayed to the point that he prayed great drops of blood in this place. This is Gethsemane. And as he's praying these great drops of blood, the Bible teaches that this it's by the way, the reason that Luke includes the the great drops of blood verse um, is because Luke was a physician. Luke was a doctor, and it, he would know this. He would know this condition. He would know the the reasoning behind what's going on. He he would understand it. But Luke makes the statement about the the great drops of blood and the swing. What this is is a condition where under great emotional physical stress. Capillaries actually bust in 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 the skin under the skin, and and you begin to sweat blood. This this is a, a medical issue. So when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was under such great pressure, and the energy that he is expending is to such a degree that he's physically sweating blood. Okay, now understanding that, notice where we start. He says, I, he went a little farther, verse 39, Matthew 26, went a little farther and fell on his face. Folks, there is, there's great energy that should be required in our prayers. 
Okay? Great energy. Sometimes we pray as we're going to bed and we fall asleep praying. Come on, let's just be honest. We pray driving, and those things are good. I, I do all of them. I fell asleep praying more times than I've prayed with energy. I can tell you that. And I've I've prayed going down the road more times than I've prayed with with great drops of blood. That's for sure. But what the Bible teaches us about prayer from the Psalms to the prayer life of Jesus to the prayer life of the Apostle Paul is that prayer sometimes requires great energy from us. I've left prayer sessions sweating before. I've left prayer sessions that looked like I just preached. And if you've seen me after I've preached, I've sweat, I've sweat through my clothes I, you know, down to my socks sometimes. My sock feet are sweating when I'm done. I prayed in the same manner. And far too often, our prayer lives lack energy. They, they lack emphasis. And the Bible teaches us that a lot of effectual prayers, effective prayers in the Scriptures, were, were prayers that were backed by energy. I want you to look in Psalm 3. Psalm 3, just two points tonight, Psalm 3, I mean if we you know, watch a game we've got energy, we play a game we've got energy, Psalm 3, Lord how, they, how are they increased that trouble me, exclamation mark, many are they that rise up against me, many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God's Selah, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up in mine head. Now watch what he says. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. He cried. To cry means to exclaim loudly. It's not necessarily a tearful cry, which it could be. But Jesus was praying in tears. Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, was sweating great drops of blood. The psalmist here says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. He heard me. I've heard some 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 arrogant preachers. If someone were to pray loud and pray with energy, say, God's not deaf. I've heard silly biblically stupid prayer uh, church members i mean we've all know we all know what we have i've been under that myself to for folks to say god's not deaf deaf there's no reason for all the loud well what are you going to do with the psalms what are you going to do with the crying aloud what are you going to do with the energy that is put forth in prayer and that is required of it sometimes. What are you going to do with that in the Bible? You see, people don't care about what the Bible says about matters. They care about what we've always done or what I've always used to or this is what I come from. No, it, it, throw that junk out and look and see what the Scriptures say. Because I can point to you many, many, many more verses about crying aloud, being loud, uh, you know, reacting loudly as a result, then anyone can point to me on the opposite. Just showing you in the Bible, cry loud, spare not, 
Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Show my people their sins. So the Bible teaches when we pray that there ought to be some energy behind it. Romans 8. Romans 8. Very great verses. Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter 8. Look with me in Romans 8. 26. Romans 8. 26. Likewise, also, likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us, watch, with groanings which cannot be uttered. Paul is speaking of groanings. He is speaking of physical groanings that are a result of, of our, our praying, groanings, to physically groan, to physically cry, to physically wail in prayer to see God move. So, we should agree with one another. We should find someone to agree with us in prayer. Number two, we should pray with great energy. And then I want you to go to Matthew 7. Matthew 7. This is the last point. Matthew chapter number 7. And this is this is where we'll close out tonight. Matthew 7, verse number 11. Well, we're actually going to look at some previous verses before verse number 11. Matthew chapter number 7. And let's start in verse 6. Give that which is not in whole. Well, we'll start in, I'm sorry, verse 7. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it shall be given you. So there you go. God said to ask. You know what the definition of prayer is? Ask. Simply ask. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. So you start off by asking. Just a simple question, simple favor, simple request, simply asking. That's how you start out. But then it takes another level, and it shall be given you seek, and you shall find. So, <clears throat> should you not get what you are asking for immediately, you should begin to search for it. It gives the idea, have you ever lost anything of value? Have you ever lost your wallet? You look pretty hard for it, don't you? Everywhere. Turn over everything, ask people. If they've seen it. Have you ever lost your phone? Oh, my. People really freak out this day, won't they? Probably more so than their wallet. I had a guy telling me the other day his wallet was on his phone. There you go. So you ask. But then if that doesn't work, you begin to seek. You step it up a notch like you've lost something. And then it goes an another step and it says knock. And it shall be open unto you. So now it's like you're you're knocking on the door wanting in. You're wanting why why do you knock on the door? If you go to someone's house and you knock on their door, you knock on their door because you want their attention. You want to let them know, hey, I'm out here. Would you let me in? That's why you knock. You want the attention of God. What those three statements teach us is you don't quit. You keep praying. 
you keep going, you keep intercessing, you start with asking, you move to seeking, and finally you knock. You say, I want your attention. Let me in. Would you work in my life? For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be open. Now watch this. This is what this is where I'm going with this. Well, what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? Now verse 11, if ye then, being evil, and we are, we, we, we're, we're just so sorry and low down sometimes. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, Gifts to our children. You know, we, we give gifts to our children. Sometimes it could be something they need. Now, a lot of times it's things they want. But just like you give gifts to your children, look at what the scriptures teach. If you then being evil know how to give good, good, give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to him that ask him? We are... His children. Now, I, I, the folks that I'm teaching to, I, I know you people, and I know you're good parents. I know you were good parents, and I know you are good parents. I know you give good gifts. You make sure needs are met. I know you give some wants. Well, the next time you pray, I want you to go on the basis that you are his child. He is your father and you're going to him for this good gift. That, ladies and gentlemen, is our Prayer Lives Part 4. We'll continue this the next time, most likely in person on Wednesday night. I hope you have a great uh, Resurrection Sunday, the last part of it, and I'll talk to you soon. I love each one of you. Good night.